Hello, good morning. Good to see y'all here. I wasn't sure the way the weather was looking last night, uh, how things were going to shake out this morning, but uh, it's not so bad. A little, little dreary, but um, no problems getting here. Uh, I want to jump right into it. Um, I heard a phrase a couple weeks ago uh, that's been on my mind ever since, and it was, you need balance in your life. You need to have balance in your life. And, I, and I've heard of um, like balanced diets, right? I, I've, I've never actually implemented one, but I, I've heard of them. Uh, you're supposed to have so many fruits and vegetables and, and meats and, and fat and carbs. And um, you want to consume the ideal amount of each of those uh, types of food to have a, a healthy diet. Um, you can't just eat a plate of carbs every meal, although I've tried, um, and get the proper amounts of nutrition that you need. Uh, you need to mix in some vegetables to, and get some vitamins. Uh, you can't just eat fruits and vegetables because you need uh, the protein that comes with the meat, right? And despite what my two-year-old tells me, chocolate is not a meal. But the government, what they ended up doing was they... they, they they looked at what was happening in society and they, they decided we're going to make some uh, dietary recommendations. And they, they decided to put labels on foods. And it has to tell how many calories and carbs and fats, etc. Uh, that we should be taking in. And it tells you what percentage each food is of what your daily intake should be. That way, that if you hit 100% on all of them, you would have a uh, balanced diet. But what does it mean... To have balance in your life. I googled it. I love that word, Google, by the way. Uh, and when I googled it, I googled balance in my life. And it came back with 1.76 billion, with a B, results in just over a half a second, 0.53 seconds. It gave me one and three quarter billion results. That means that there's a lot of people out there asking how to find balance in their lives. And there's just as many people out there willing to give their recommendations of how we should find the balance, right? Um, I started looking through some of the, the, the headlines that, that it gives you. And there were things like 10 simple ways to find balance and get your life back. How to get your life back into balance. How to create a balanced life, nine ways to feel calm and grounded. I clicked on that one, and they only gave eight ways. So I don't know if in the middle of their article they decided eight was more balanced than nine, and they, they, they gave up on the last one. Uh, three important lessons of finding balance in life. Psychology Today says the best way to find balance in your life. Then we have five ways to find balance in your life. Six tips to create balance in life. Seven secrets to create more balance in life. Everybody's got ideas of what it is to have a balanced life, apparently. But what, what are those things in our lives that need to be balanced? I I'm glad you asked. I found a pie chart that somebody put together of 10 things that they say need to be in balance in our lives. They consisted of romance, leisure, just relaxation, money, your career, your family, 
friends, physical environment. I wasn't sure what that meant, how we can focus on our physical environment. I, I don't know if that's like feng shui. Was it popular in the 90s where if your couch is on this wall, you're happy, and if it's on that wall, you want to strangle people? Uh, but your physical environment, health, personal growth, and then finally, the tenth one was spiritual growth. What is spiritual growth? They didn't elaborate on it. I, based on the, what I was reading, I pictured this person thought of spiritual growth more of, as like a, um, a Zen type of thing where he sits with his legs crossed and his fingers together. Uh, but let's just say that he was referring to our walk with Christ. Let's say that that spiritual growth that he was talking about was um, our walk with God. God only gets 10% of our time? Doesn't seem like very much to me. Um, if we're awake 17 hours out of the day, that's about an hour and 45 minutes that we give to God every day. And when you put it that way, that sounds like quite a bit. You might be thinking, boy, I've got to spend an hour in prayer, 45 minutes in my Bible. That's going to take up a big chunk of my day. But how do you think God feels about his 10% of your day? How do you think he feels about that 10% that you're willing to give up to sacrifice for him? Well, I want to take a look today at Luke uh, in chapter 14. His, chapter 14, verse um, 26 reads, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and child, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Sounds to me like he wants more than 10% of uh, our lives, ten, more than 10% of our days. Um, sounds like he wants to be a bigger part of our lives than our own family. Is that the way it sounds to you? That's the way it sounded to me. Um, but he wants to be a larger part. I, I, I have, a lot of times Christians have trouble wrapping their minds around that. Right, Lord, Lord, I, I, I want you in my life. I will follow you. I will put you before certain family members. Right, the crazy uncle that comes to the barbecue. I'll put you ahead of him. But my mother, I got to put you before my own children. He says hate here, Jesus does, but he doesn't mean that we are to hate our family. We're not to hate our parents. We're, we're to respect our parents. We're, we're, we're uh, to uh, live for them and, and, and be um, respectful of them. He, what he's saying is what we need to do is put him before them. He is to have the front seat. He is to be ahead of anybody in our lives. But there's a problem with that. If we do that, that's going to throw off our balance, right? If we throw off our balance, then how can we be happy? I thought whatever makes us happy, God would want for me, right? I don't know. Verse 27 says, And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Well, that should sound familiar, because he said something very similar to that a few chapters before in chapter 9. He said, Jesus said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily 
and follow me. But God wants me to give up the things in my life that I want every day. And if I don't, I can't follow him. He wants me to give these things up just for him. Every single day, I have to die to myself. I have to die to my flesh. The things that my flesh wants, the things that are going to make me happy, God wants me to give up. That doesn't sound like something that a lot of us would want to do, does it? Well, he's going to come across a ruler here in a few chapters. And uh, this young ruler comes to him and says, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one. That is God. He's doing two things here. One, one, he's kind of saying, why do you call me good? So Jesus is either saying, I'm bad, or you recognize that I'm God. He understands that this person recognizes that he is God. He said, you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. And he said, well, I've been doing all those things since I was a little boy. And Jesus said, well, that's great. You still lack one thing. Sell all you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. And what happened? That young man said, I I can't give up all my stuff, all these things that make me happy, all my material possessions. I can't die to that. I can't give all of that up. It's too much. He said he wanted to follow Jesus, but he wasn't willing to pay the price. He didn't want it bad enough. And that's not just a, a Christianity thing. P- people want things, but they don't want to give up enough to get them. Right? Um, I want to lose weight, but I don't want to give up my pizza. Right? I don't want it bad enough. You may say, well, I, I want that new promotion at work. But I don't want to have to put in the extra hours to get it. Well, then you don't want it bad enough. You're not willing to give up what it takes to have it. I want to be a better golfer. But it's too expensive to get out and play twice a week. It's hard. I clearly don't want to be that great of a golfer. Whatever it is you want in life, you're going to have to make sacrifices to get it. Verse 28, Jesus said, For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Wow, it's almost like I I read ahead. Jesus wants us to know that if you plan on following him, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost all of us something. It may cost us different things. It, It may cost somebody their family. It may cost somebody else their friends. Or it may cost somebody else their job. Uh, For many of us, it was costing us addictions that we had. Things that we wanted to feed the flesh, like alcohol or drug use. He's telling us, you need to think about what you're going to have to give up to follow me. Because I don't want you saying you're going to follow me and then turning back. The rich guy, he he took account. He, He tried to figure out. He counted the cost. And he said, my possessions are worth more to me than God. 
My possessions are worth more to me than following you. I cannot give them up. So before you call yourself a Christian, Jesus says you need to understand that you're going to have to make sacrifices for him. He says, count the cost. If you're not willing to make sacrifices for him, he says, you're not worthy of me. Is that really how God feels? That we're not worthy of him if, if we're not willing to give up the things that make us happy? Yes. You know, God, we say all the time, he was the same yesterday as he is today as he will be tomorrow. Well, let's look what he said yesterday. Exodus 34, 14 says, For you shall worship no other God, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. His name is Jealous. He is a jealous God. Does that sound like he has any desire to be a small part of your life? He doesn't. But that's how we treat him, right? Lord, I love you and I will follow you always. You can have every Sunday morning. I, I, I can carve out 30 seconds before each meal. Maybe a couple minutes before I go to sleep at night. And whenever I really want something or, or somebody I know is sick, you'll be the first person I come to. And that's how we treat them. God says, no, that, that's not what I want. He says, I want it all. I'm a jealous God. Jesus said in Matthew, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. Three words should have jumped out at us there. He says that he wants us to love the Lord with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all of our mind. That's the first and great commandment he tells us. Does that sound like God wants balance in your life? If he wants it all, how, how, how could there be any balance in our lives? You know, if I had a, a, one of those uh, legal scales up here where you, where you put a couple marbles on this side, then you put a couple marbles on the other side and it balances out, well, all those things, there's nine other things that we need to keep in balance. Our, our finances, that's a marble on this side. Our, um, our relationships, our family, our leisure, all those little marbles go on this side. Jesus wants to be the cinder block that you put on the other side. He does not want balance in our lives. He wants us to put him first in our lives. He wants it all. And he doesn't want you committing to him unless you're willing to give it to him. So how could he expect such a commitment from us? 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. It says your body and your spirit belong to God because he purchased them. He bought them at a price. He, set the, he paid the price for you. If you hired a contractor to come into your house and do some painting and, and put up some trim, right, and, and you agreed on $20 an hour, and that first day he shows up and you notice he's just, he's just on his phone for four hours out of the day. And then it was a nice day, so he went and sat under a tree and, and read his book for an hour. You'd be pretty unhappy about that, wouldn't you? Because you set a price. 
You agreed on a price to purchase his time. You redeemed his time. And that's exactly what Jesus did for us. He purchased us. And if we are going to agree to his terms, we need to agree to give up the things that he's asking us to. We need to agree to make him the focal point in our lives. Jesus paid for us on the cross. He paid a price for us that he didn't owe. And if we accept his offer, he expects all of us. He's telling you that it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you all of your heart. It's going to cost you all of your soul and all of your mind. I don't know about that. Because based on what, what Google tells me, being unbalanced would be a bad thing. Is Google ever wrong? <laughs> Think about all the people uh, that are the best at what they do. Right? You look at like leaders in business. The, the Elon Musk, is that his name? The, the, the CEO of Tesla? Um, the, the guy that runs um, Apple now and, and the, the guy that runs uh, Amazon, all these big corporate, uh, big corporations, the CEOs of them. You know, think about how much time they had to put in to get to where they are. Think about the greatest athletes in the world and, and the time and sacrifices that they needed to make. If you want to be the greatest basketball player in the world, you might just have natural ability. Right? And you can be really good at basketball. But if you want to be the best in the world, you can't just show up on game day. You have to show up at practice. You have to practice and, and, and practice and practice and practice. You've got to put up a thousand shots. You've got to work on your free throws. You've got to work on your defense. You've got to run wind sprints. And when you get home at night, you can't just lay around and do nothing. You have to put in game film and, and, and watch the uh, film of the team you're going to play next. If you want to be the best. Right? If you want to be good... You might be able to rely on talent, but if you want to be the best, if you want to be at the very top, that's what you have to do. Think about presidents, all that they have to give up. That's not just an eight-hour-a-day job where they get, you know, 10 weeks off for vacation. That's a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week, 365-day job for four years. They might be on the golf course occasionally, but they're on call all the time. Have you ever seen, like, pictures uh, of a president when they're, when they're first elected? And then when they leave, they look awful. They, they look like they aged like 30 years in a four-year span because it, it costs them something. They have to give something up for that job. But these people made the decision to go all in on their dreams. They became great at something. They weren't thinking about balance in their lives. They wanted to be the best. They knew what it took and they were prepared to pay that price, that, that cost that Jesus was talking about. And it may have cost them relationships. It probably cost them time with their families. If you ever see documentaries on, on uh, Olympic gymnasts, they, they have to move away to a camp to be away from their family. And all they do is train all day long. And they have to, uh, they're not allowed to eat any sweets. You have to eat very small portions. They, they gave up a whole bunch. They gave up friendships. They give up vacations and leisure time. Football players. They, 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 I think the average football player's life expectancy is like 
20 years less than the, the, nat- the regular, the regular American. They're willing to give those things up to be the best of what they do. They sacrifice a lot. They sacrifice happiness. They sacrifice their health. They give up everything for their passion. And as Christians, Christ should be our passion. And we need to give everything we have to him. Right? And here's what's great about being unbalanced for Jesus, giving everything up for him. Matthew 6, says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So we look at him first. Everything in our lives starts with him. He says, and all these things shall be added to you. When we put God first in our lives, he doesn't take from us those parts of our lives. He enhances them. The, the, the relationships, our careers, our intimacy, our, our, our leisurely time. He doesn't take those things away. He enhances them. And we don't need to try to balance them. Give everything to God and let him add to your life in a way that you and I can't do on our own. So how do you do that? Well, I said you're awake 17 hours a day. I can't stay in my Bible for 17 hours. As much as I, I love the word and, and I, want, I want to hear what he has to say to me, I fall asleep. Reading, make me, reading makes me sleepy. <laughs> so I couldn't sit there and read my Bible for 17 hours. So what do I have to do? Well, yes, you do need to be in your Bible. You need to go to church. You need to pray. But we also give ourselves to him by the way we live our lives. How we treat other people at work. How we encourage our neighbors. How we take the high road when we really want to just tell somebody uh, how we really feel. (laughs) Or we want to give somebody a piece of our minds. We live for him when we give somebody a smile. We live for somebody, we, we live for him when we encourage others. We live for him when we die to ourselves by giving up what the flesh wants and desiring what he wants. We need to live an unbalanced life. Let's pray. Lord, again, we thank you for today. We thank you for allowing us to come into your house. Lord, it's such a small price that we pay um, to to worship you. Lord, you do so much for us. And Lord, I just pray that you would give us the strength and the courage to hand it all over to you. To to put you first in our lives and trust that you know what's best for us. And that you will add to all of these things in our lives. Our relationships, our friendships, our, our, our families, our careers. Everything in our lives, Lord, if we just put them before you, you will enhance them. You, you will add to our lives. Lord, this is not a, a, a prosperity preaching. This is us just knowing that, that we can trust in what your word tells us. Lord, we love you and we just ask you to give us the strength to do that. To help us love you more. We're asking you to fill our hearts with your Holy Spirit and give us the strength to allow him to guide us in our lives. Lord, I ask you to put somebody before us this week that we can share your gospel with. Share with them what what, what you've done in our lives. Share with them the love that we have for you and and, and the love that you show us in return. There's all these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.